Thanks so much for listening. Before I get into the episode, I wanted to thank today's podcast sponsor, which is Coda Luna and their baby keepsake castle. I personally just put all of my baby's memorabilia into these little keepsake castle boxes and they are so adorable functional. And if you really love organization, then you're really going to love this keepsake box. So not only is it a keepsake box, but it also includes a baby book and it has space for capturing all of the milestones of your baby's early years. And then the keepsake box itself stores all of the memorabilia that you want to keep. So baby's first socks and pacifier and the little hat that they wore when they came home from the hospital. So this keepsake castle with the baby memory book is more than just an organizational product. It's a gateway to preserving the remarkable journey of new parenthood. So take a moment to visit keepsakecastle.com today and embark on creating a lasting legacy of love and nostalgia. Thank you so much for listening. In today's episode, we are discussing setting compassionate boundaries in the early days of parenting. My guests for this episode are Tina Halleck and Serena Ward. They're both mothers and together they host the No Need to Explain podcast and they call themselves the Mental Health Mamas. Setting boundaries is such an important topic, so I really think this episode will have a lot to offer many people. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, Tina and Serena. How are you both? We're great. Thanks. We're doing good. Thank you. Thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Of course. So in today's topic, we're going to be talking about setting compassionate boundaries for parents, especially in the early days of parenting. And before we get into that topic, I would love to hear a little bit about you both. Could you share a little bit of your background? Sure. So as we say in our trailer, we are smart, educated women who uh, know a lot of things about a lot of things. And when we come into any realm for the last 10 years, we are parents first. We put our parent hat on and, you know, we're the parents of kids who struggle. So I have older adult children um, who have struggled with their mental health. And yeah, it is a winding, uh, winding path that we've learned a lot of things. So yeah, and I'm lucky to have met Serena when I did and uh, reduce that isolation around around all that. So. Yeah, so I'll just add into that. That is uh, how Tina and I connected originally is uh, through the work that we do supporting other families of kids who struggle with their emotional health. Um, and I have three kids, one who's grown, one who's 20, and then I have a 13-year-old and a 7-year-old, so we are right in the middle of it. <laughs> and can you share a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, so our podcast is called No Need to Explain with the Mental Health Mamas. And again, this came out of our work supporting other families like ourselves and knowing the isolation, the you know frustration, the exhaustion that comes with parenting kids who you know may not be everything you expected, right? They might not um, be developing in the in the way you had anticipated. They might be showing behaviors um, that you had not expected. Uh, so just kind of that. Um, that realm of um, unexpected parenting and, and how we support others through that. Yeah. So it really, honestly, the podcast came somewhat out of the pandemic when we could no longer sit across from our, 
our parents, we supported uh, drinking coffee and having them share their deepest, darkest, right? And we we decided we weren't all about putting things out into the world and we just took the leap. And yeah, it's actually touched a lot more than parents. It's mental health uh, affects, well, we would say the majority of us. <laughs> uh, that one in five statistic is not something we embrace. We think it's way more than that. So Agreed. Well, thank you. And thank you for the work that you do. So to get into the topic of compassion resilience, can you guys start with kind of an overview of what exactly that is and what that means? Sure. So I'll I'll give you the, the official definition of compassion resilience, and that is the power to return to a position of empathy, strength, and hope after the daily experience of whatever challenges we may face. So the ability to maintain our physical, emotional, and mental well-being while responding compassionately to people who are suffering. It allows us to be able to find optimism in an imperfect world. So the idea is um, really about being able to take care of ourselves while we're taking care of other people in our lives, Um, whether that's as a parent, um, as a, you know, you know, we've uh, we've worked with a lot of people in the medical field um, and health and human services who are just really any human caring for another human. Um, We tend to be fixers, right? We want to um, get right down and solve the problem. Um, and that, you know, absolutely goes for parenting, right? We want, we want to fix things for our kids and other people in our lives. Um, but what we know is if we give too much of ourselves away, um, we might find ourselves suffering from compassion fatigue and unable to care for anyone, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we also work with teachers. That's a big population mm-hmm. of, of folks who, um, who really would benefit from taking better care of themselves. And, you know, what we found to be true in the work that we do and in supporting parents is that we, we found that by supporting parents and helping them support themselves, that even when their children weren't well and everything wasn't perfect in their world, they were taking better care of themselves and therefore were in a better place to be able to take care of their people. Um, yeah, we're caretakers. We need to take care of ourselves. Forget. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so true. And I think that that's why I wanted to talk about this topic specifically um, for any parents that are either new parents or they have a toddler and are pregnant or a toddler and a new little baby because that is something that might be new to them, you know, the the caretaking role. And when you're new at it, um, it's very easy, I think, to fall into kind of that uh, trap of that circle of um, going into compassion fatigue. So I would love to then hear from you a little more about compassion fatigue. So when we talk about compassion fatigue, uh, we mean kind of the feelings of depression and sadness, exhaustion, anxiety um, that people experience when they're helpers in the world, Um, whether that's in your personal life or whether that is in your uh, work life. And sometimes for people, it's both. We know as parents, we, you know, people who are helpers in the world are often parents as well. So We also want to say this is a total normal response to challenges and the overwhelm that the world gives us. And I would say if you've never experienced this before, certainly 
the last two years have um, served up an equal portion to all of us, right? We really, uh, we really have had a lot of over overwhelm. So, so I don't know, Serena, if you want to say more about compassion fatigue and um, kind of help people identify those stages a little bit. Sure. So I'll just, you know, mention that um, the the idea is that um, there, are, there are different stages that have been identified in the, the cycle of compassion fatigue. Um, but what's important to know is that they're not sort of like something you do in order. They're not, uh, it's not linear. And in fact, um, you might find yourself going back and forth between different stages. But it is important to sort of identify when you're moving into that cycle and figure out how to get yourself out of it. Um, so, you know, speaking of, of new parents, right, the first stage, um, if, we'll, if we feel like numbering them, um, is the stage referred to as the zealot. Um, so this is the brand new parent, right, who wants to do all the right things, right? Who's going to make sure that, you know, tummy time happens regularly, that, um, you know, the clothing is all organic and that, you know, and I'm not, I'm not poking fun at anybody. I'm just saying that, you know, um, there's this expectation of I'm going to be able to do all the things and it's going to be perfect and it's going to be everything I imagined. Um, so that's like that, that overachieving stage. I'm going to do all the things. And then what happens is um, if those expectations are not met. Um, things don't quite work the way we expect them to. The baby doesn't sleep the way we'd hoped, you know, they would. We may move into irritability. Um, and that's where we start to realize, okay, maybe our expectations weren't quite on par, right? Like maybe, maybe we were, uh, our expectations were too high. Um, and so irritability just means, you know, like your, um, you have less resilience, right? You're snapping at people around you. You're, um, you know, struggling to feel good. Um, and then from there, you might move further in. So um, there's a stage called withdrawal where, you know, you're really not wanting to interact with anybody, kind of going into your own um your own place, your own person. Um, there's the zombie where you're just kind of going through the motions. Um, and then you can really find yourself being unwell um, as you go through the stages. Um, and that could mean, um, it could mean that you're just really, now, um, I should also say that, you know, um, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, right, is uh, can be part of this, but it can also be separate and apart. They can be two very different things, right? So you may find yourself in here either way. Um, but knowing that if we don't address these um, stages, if we don't realize what's happening, um, we just may be unwell, right? We may get physically yeah. sick in addition yeah. to our mental health struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And so if someone finds themselves kind of falling into those different stages, how can they then? become well again. So we talk a lot in our, um, we teach a 10 week course about compassion resilience, and we talk a lot about building our resilience toolbox, right? Like what are the things in your toolbox? And those are not the same for every person. Um, so one of the things, and I will say one of my favorite things is, and I think as a young parent and a younger person, I'm 53, so I've learned a lot, is about setting compassionate boundaries, you know, giving permission for that. So we have this, um, Brene Brown is one of our favorites. And so she Thank has you. this great quote that says, compassionate people ask for what they need. They say no when they need to. And when they say yes, they mean it. 
They're compassionate because their boundaries keep them out of resentment. And, you know, we love that quote because the, first of all, it gives you permission to say, hmm, here's the thing. These are my boundaries. And, uh, and we have some great, um, really concrete tools to help with that. We have some steps to follow and, uh, we know that's what people want, right? They want some concrete things to, to follow up on. So, yeah. So we also talk about the concept of saying yes, uh, in order to say yes to some things, particularly the things that we value and we go over values, like what is it that you value? Um, you have to say no to some things. So what do you have to say no to, to say yes to your yes things, right? So, right. yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm the biggest fan of Brene Brown. And that was one of the most striking things that I learned from all of the years of reading her books and listening to her podcasts is that um, what she found in her research is that the most compassionate people are the most boundaried. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that really sits with me as well. I mean, and it's not to say that any of this is easy, right? It is not easy to do these things. Um, it's easy to talk about, but um, but there's, you know, there's also, um, it, uh, we do a week on self-compassion and that's hugely important too, right? Just, um, you know, understanding that this is hard and that we're human and that we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. So, so I would say some of the other topics, Serena, let's think, um, I, boundaries are my favorite. So that's where I go mm-hmm. always first, right? Um, so yeah. we actually spend a full two weeks on sort of wellness and renewal strategies, very specific, um, you know, according to the compass of wellness. So we talk about, you know, your, your heart, your mind, your spirit, your strength. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's so much information in, in, um, and what we share and we share it because it's useful to us too, right? Like we're teaching this because it's what we need to remind ourselves mm-hmm. of all the time. <laughs> Another good Brene line, right? Anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we talk about culture and how our family and work cultures affect our resilience um, about expectations of ourselves and others, which really do it, that really affects our, our ability to be resilient. So, yeah. What's an example of um, setting a compassionate boundary with yourself? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. So, so I think I. Oh. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> you sure? I'll, I'll say mine, but you can say yours too. So um, I would say for me, I held a lot of people's stuff for a long time, physically and emotionally. <laughs> but I'm talking about, about emotionally now. So I think recently I worked with a therapist really intensely about um, giving myself permission to not hold other people's stuff. That is a boundary for me. And it's a question I ask in my head all the time. Does that belong to me or someone else? And do I have to hold it? Um, or, or do I just need to help someone in some other way? So. So, so for me, I was going to um, go back to the idea that I, um, Oh, well, I haven't shared this yet, but I, I'm a total introvert, right? Tina and I are opposites, right? Tina's an extrovert and I'm an introvert. Um, and so what that means is I need a lot of time and space to myself. Um, and there was a time when we had five kids in the house and, you know, two cats and a dog and two adults. And um, 
that was a really hard time for me to kind of uh, find that space for myself. So for me, that, you know, that compassionate boundary setting is about protecting my space and my time so that I do have energy for the people in my life. Yeah, those are both great examples. And I think they are particularly helpful to someone that's in the postpartum period, specifically. Um, you know, Tina, what you had said about not holding other people's stuff, I could, I could imagine that coming into play when, you know, when you have a baby, your whole family is usually very excited. Um, part of it is your family, part of it may be your spouse's family. And there's a lot of expectations that can go along with that, of um, your mom or your mother-in-law of the ideas they have um, in mind for their grandchildren. And there can be disagreements around that. And so as a new mom, seeing, you know, what your mom's expectations are or what your mother-in-law's expectations are and them, you know, making asks of you or just saying, this is what I'm going to do, you know, not taking that on as like, this is my problem to deal with. That's actually her thing. And then setting compassionate boundaries of this is what works for me. This is what doesn't work for me. And just, you know, clearly communicating. And then Serena, your example of, especially for new moms or dads, that are introverts of knowing thyself and really setting that boundary of like, I definitely need time to recharge by myself. And so I need to prioritize that and then let the people around me know that. And even alternatively, if you're an extrovert like Tina, you know, especially if you're like a new mom and you're at home where you used to be at work, whether that be in Zoom meetings or be in person in an office, it can feel very isolating really quickly, especially if you're an, an extrovert. And so then setting yourself up to have that connection with other people, whether it be like FaceTime with a friend or a sister or a mom, um, I think both of those are really great examples for things that you can do for yourself um, during postpartum just to make sure that your needs are being met. Yeah. It is something I did not do. Let me just say that. Mm -hmm. So I still remember, and my husband still talks about this. He would walk in the door and I would hand him the baby. And I loved my babies. I couldn't love them more. And I would just be like, tag, you are it. I am over it. I need to go do something by myself. Um, and I never knew that I could do anything different. So that's what I'm hoping people hear is, tune into yourself, check in with yourself, make sure that you're getting what you need and, and post, you know, postpartum, you know, or not, I think the idea that you need to check in with yourself, what is it that you, how are you feeling? It's a big thing we do, right? Serena, we're mm -hmm. the feels girls. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so the other thing I would say is um, to me, the, the, one of the top tips of you know, compassionate boundary setting is to actually say it, right? And it sounds so simple, but I think um, at least I know I'm guilty of just thinking, well, they should know, right? Mm. They should know that I want to shower before they leave for work in the morning, <laughs> right? But they might not know that, right? So saying, I, it would really be helpful to me if I could have a shower before you leave for work. Um, that way I feel like, <laughs> I, feel, I don't feel gross, right? Like yeah. starting the day. Um, yeah, so just, you know, not making people guess really. Um, and that takes some bravery, right? To, to share does. that with people. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I think that also goes into like doing a little bit of pre-work, maybe even before baby arrives or, or baby is here, you know, just sitting down and thinking about it. Like, what are the things that you need? What are the things that would be helpful? And, um, an anecdote I hear a lot 
from um, people that are in the early days of parenting is, you know, people will be like, hey, I want to help. What can I do? Can I bring anything over? Do you need anything? And our go-to response is, no, I'm good. Thank you. But no, just like immediately being like, I don't want to burden someone else. But if you can sit down and kind of do some pre-work to think about what do I need, what would be nice, and just write down a list. I'm a big fan of making cheat sheets for yourself of like, what are those things that would be helpful if someone offers to pick up something, you know, where, what do we need from the store? Um, someone's doing a target run, what would be helpful? Or um, alternatively, write those things down and then think about who is someone that um, I can ask and do that brave thing and just proactively ask like, hey, it would be really helpful if you could drop this off in the next two days. Yes, yeah, so we had a great episode. Um, it was in October 21, uh, Happy with Baby with guest Catherine O'Brien. And she talked a lot about, about this and really worked through a lot of her own stuff with her own spouse. And, and that was an interesting interview. So yeah, tune in. That's a good one. That's great. <laughs> Love the suggestion. Um, so to kind of close out this episode... I would love to hear from both of you just kind of a summary of why setting compassionate boundaries is so important. Yeah, so I mean, it, it all comes together, right? When when we set those compassionate boundaries, it keeps us out of that compassion fatigue. It keeps us um, out of resentment, right? As Brene Brown says, um, it helps us feel better and live within our values. Um, and again, you know, giving you that energy to support others and yourself. Um, yeah, we love it. We can't say enough about it. <laughs> we cannot. Absolutely. So I would say um, setting compassionate boundaries has given me a lot of freedom to be who I need to be. And I think as parents, especially young parents, we don't think of ourselves. We think of it as selfish when we think of ourselves. And uh, we need to reframe that because being able to um, be you makes everyone else better. I love that. Thank you. Okay. I have a bonus round question for you. <laughs> Since we're all Brene fans, what's your favorite book by Brene? Oh, it's like your favorite <laughs> child. Sorry. I can't it is. It. Although right now I am slogging through the Atlas of the Heart. And, you know, one of my favorite things I would say about the Brene books, and I have read them all, is that I appreciate the, you know, she does repeat themes so often. And I feel like none of us, either on podcasts or in writing, we're not inventing the wheel. Yeah. But we are gently reminding people of what they should know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've not read the new one yet. I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, the one that comes to mind is really the gifts of imperfection. And part of that is, um, I love it. And Tina and I spent, gosh, like a year um, running a book club uh, around that book. And it just, it speaks to so many people. Yeah. That's where I learned about compassion, self-compassion. Mm -hmm. And that like, that was the antidote for perfectionism. I, that one is like tied with, for my favorite with, um, daring greatly. Like mm. to me, like daring greatly is like the OG. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for, you know, talking Brene's stuff with me. Um, yeah. I would do that anytime. <laughs> Us too. I think we should have a fan club. Um, yes. yes, 
I'm sure there is one, and I just don't talk <laughs> about it. But anyway, I joke and say I'm the self-appointed president of the Grinney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's fine. That's fine just for me. Um, so, if anyone listening would like to follow you, listen to your podcast, where can they follow you and listen to your show? So we can be found basically on every podcast platform. It's uh, no need to explain with the Mental Health Mamas, um, but you can also find it on our website, mentalhealthmamas.com. We are on um, Instagram at no need to explain podcast. We're on Twitter at MHMamas and um, Facebook is Mental Health Mamas as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. I loved our conversation. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you liked the episode and would like to hear more, please follow Finding Your Village wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to use the code FYVPODCAST to sign up for the postpartum class at PregnancyToPreschool.net to save 15% today. Thank you so much and stay safe, healthy, and connected.